Hello and welcome. Thanks for joining us here at Believer's Victory Church. Today we have an inspiring, powerful message that will change your life. Let's listen in as Pastor Peggy Heal teaches us from the Word of God. Praise the Lord! Glory to God! It's great to be in church! Amen! Hallelujah! How many of are just uh, still, you know, to actually, let me get my thoughts straight. My- I don't know what's wrong with me today. I walk out. I totally forgot my microphone. I'm just, but I got a good word for everybody today. And I'm excited to be in church. And uh, if you're visiting with us today, and if you're wondering why this house looks so fabulous, doesn't that look fabulous? And this house, eh, not so much. It's from our, it's a nice house though. It's it's a nice house. It's uh, from our Christmas program and also from our series that we've been doing. And it was all about, just to give you the rundown, we had the people that understood and really were celebrating Christmas because Jesus, he lit up their life. Get it? See what we did there? He lit up their life. And then we had the neighbors here that didn't have an understanding of Christmas and just uh, were pretty negative about it. And it was all about how this family was able to bring the true meaning of Christmas to the other family, who who we lovingly call the Bah Humbuggers. <laughs> and, uh, but it was a great play. We had Tom was the uh, neighbor here. Was he great or what? He did such a great job. <coughs> I think Tom could have like a, a future in acting for real. You did such a great job. And uh, but anyway, it was a lot of fun. But that's why this house is so lit up in this house. Not so much. Not so much. But uh, and again, the team did such a great job decorating, didn't they? Did, we had so much fun. We've had so many parties. We've had so much fun. We've had lots of services. And I don't know about you, but on Thursday, the day after Christmas, I did not get out of my pajamas the entire day. I mean, I'm just going to be honest with you and, and tell you. It, it's a true story. Um, it's truth. And, uh, but anyway, we had a great time. I hope everybody had a great Christmas. And now we're heading into New Year's. And so today we have the, that, that weird week between Christmas and New Year's. And it's called the in-between. And so I saw a meme on someone's Facebook. You know, the Lord gives me uh, ideas for sermons in lots of different ways. And so this one came from a meme I saw on Facebook. And so this, this is, uh, it says, the magical week between Christmas and New Year's where time means nothing and every meal is turkey and chocolate. How many of you are having that week, right? We're having that week. And then we have another one. It says... It says, the weekend between Christmas and New Year always bothers me. It's just a weird purgatory where people are arbitrarily waiting one week to start improving their lives. <laughs> Isn't that what we're doing? We're like, oh, you know, I'll just wait. And then we've got this. Now, this is what I saw that inspired my message. It says, what day is it? What time is it? Do I need a shiny dress? I need to eat a vegetable. <laughs> That's kind of how I felt on Thursday, you know. And then uh, the next one is just that that dazed and confused look between Christmas and New Year's where you're really not sure what you're supposed to be doing. And uh, so anyway, it inspired our service today called The In-Between. Because here we are, and, and again, I was inspired by these uh, funny internet things and, and uh, my own binge watch of Lost in Space. Yes. Watch the entire season. Don't judge me. In one day, in my pajamas, 
eating chocolate. <laughs> and all kinds of other crazy things. Like, oh, you know, it's just, it's just a strange time, isn't it? And so if you're here today and maybe you're in that strange time too, or you're looking forward to 2020, you imagine we're getting ready to enter into a new decade. And, and, and how many of all heard the whole joke? 2020 is going to be a year of perfect vision, all about vision, you know. And so here we are, we're, we're on today. I don't even know what day it is, but I know it's not 2020 yet. And so we're moving in, but I want to encourage you that during this time, you know, the end, because this, this week, you know how I love numbers and I love statistics and, you know, just because I love people, and the statistics represent the people. And that's why I like that. Because I want to know what's going on with people. I want to know what people are dealing with. Because my job as a pastor is to help people get from where they are to where God has for them to be. That's my job. And through the anointing and through the word, but through information as well. And so this week, statistically, is also one of the highest weeks for depression and anxiety and also we're getting ready to enter into January, and there's a day in January, this is like the saddest statistic I've read recently, where it's called Divorce Day. How sad is that, right? Because what happens is, is that people are like, oh, we just need to get through the holidays. As soon as we get through the holidays, then you got all the stress and all the, everything that comes with the holidays. It's supposed to be such a joyous time. And then the bills start coming in, and then the fighting about the bills comes. And so it's just one of the highest days of divorce. And so we're getting ready. We're in this week that, you know, we're joking about it, but it's also a very serious week. And so I want to encourage you today and just give you a few things to help you get from where we are today to where God wants us to be. Amen? And so as we're looking through, one of the things that all of us are going to be doing, because it's just human nature, when one thing ends is to reflect on it. It's just what we do. It's, it's part of being a person. And so as you reflect on 2019, maybe there's some areas that you wanted to grow in, but you shrank in. And maybe there's some areas that you wanted to shrink in, but you grew in, right? <laughs> Anybody with me? <laughs> you know, and, you know, we joke about it, but there's other things. Maybe, you know, I remember when we started, we do a staff retreat at the beginning of the year. And last year, we were all together, and we all wrote down goals. And, you know, um, I had my goal paper out, which some people are like, oh, yeah, we did that, didn't we? I don't even, I don't even remember where that paper is, right? You know, but we wrote down some goals that we were going to do. And, you know, as I was looking at it, some of those goals, you know, it happened. And some of them, not so much, right? Not so much. And so as we look back and we reflect on 2019, maybe there's just some things that you really, you know, you thought that you were going to end this year differently, you know, because in January, everything is like new start, you know, freshness. And, and you know, and the Lord gave us a word about breakthrough. And a, and a lot of us have had breakthrough. And it, it didn't come, I mean, I know for, for, for Scott and I, it didn't come the way we thought it was going to. We did have a breakthrough, but it, it required some breaking. And, and you know, and it, it was kind of painful, to be honest with you. And maybe you're here today, and, and some things just haven't worked out the way you thought they were going to, and, and you had such hope, and you were so filled with excitement in January, and now you're looking, you're here in December, and you're like, man, this, this year really stunk. Or this year was so hard. It was hard for me physically. It was hard for me emotionally. You know, or I, I really, you know, I was such a slacker this year. 
Maybe you're just, you know, and so I want to encourage you, be kind to yourself. Amen. Be Amen. kind to yourself. Life happens. And no matter what we do, no matter hard, how hard we try, you cannot relive 2019. No matter, you may be sitting here saying, oh, if I could have done this different, if I would have just done this, if I would just not have said this, if I would have, if I would have, if I would have, you know, we could do a rap. If I would have, if I would have, right? <laughs> too much chocolate. It's too much chocolate. But, you know, the thing is, is that no matter what we want to do different, we can't go back. We can't go back. We can learn from it. And so I want to encourage you as you reflect on 2019, celebrate the victories. Celebrate that you're here today. Amen. Amen. Celebrate that you're closing out. You came to the last Sunday service of 2019. Celebrate that. Amen. Sometimes we only celebrate big stuff. But you know what? Life really happens in small steps. Life happens in small steps. And so I want to encourage you as you reflect be kind to yourself if, things, if maybe things haven't worked out the way you thought. Be kind. Celebrate the small victories. The Bible tells us over in Philippians chapter 3, verse number 12 through 14. We're going to read it out, the Passion Translation. And one of the things that I, I, I love about the Apostle Paul is even he realized that he hadn't arrived. If anybody could like say, you know, I got it all together, it would, it would probably be him. But here he is, and he's writing, and he's telling us, he says, I admit that I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing. And maybe that's you to, at the end of this year. And you look back on the year, and you're like, you know what? I admit that I have not acquired the absolute fullness of, that I planned on doing in 2019. I can admit that. How about you? But here's the great part. Let's keep reading. Let's keep reading and let's keep living. Amen? And he says, but I run with passion into his abundance. I run with passion into his abundance. And so when I read that, I, I'm, I read that and I think this. You know what? I didn't, I didn't do all the things I wanted to do. I didn't do all the things God wanted me to do. I didn't do all the right things. I messed up on some things. And maybe you're in that boat too, just like Apostle Paul was. He said, I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness. I didn't do everything I was supposed to do, but I run with passion into his abundance. Listen, even if you totally screwed up 2019 and 2018 and 2017, you know, and we can keep going, even if you totally screwed, you just totally screwed up, you can still run with passion into God's abundance. His abundance is still here for you. Amen? Or you're here today and you're like, you know what? It wasn't me. It was other people. Other people did some things and it messed me up. You know what? You can still run into his abundance. Amen? And then he says, so that I may reach the purpose that Jesus Christ has called me to fulfill and wants me to discover. Listen, no matter where you're at today, God still has purpose for you. Amen. He still has purpose for you. He still has things he wants you to discover. And verse number 13, this is the key. I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. Listen, we're not, we're not going to improve or get where God wants us to be without his strength. Amen? I need his strength. He says, however, I do have one compelling focus. I forget all of the past 
as I fasten my heart to the future instead, I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. Man, isn't that a powerful verse? I love this translation. And so you know what I learned from this, from the Apostle Paul? I learned, number one, I can still run towards his abundance even though I may not have it all together. Isn't that good? You know, there, there's no, there, you know, God doesn't, there's no measuring stick with God. He just says, come. Amen? He just says, come. There's no measuring stick. There's no, when you go for God's help, he's not, he's not, does, doesn't want to check you out first. What have you been doing? What have you been doing? No, he's like, come on. Come on, I can help you. And so I can still run towards his abundance. There's abundance for you. Number two, I can't depend on my own strength. I need his. I need God's strength. And number three, as I'm reflecting on 2019, even no matter what happened, he says, Paul says, I have one focus. I forget. And sometimes we think that word forget means to like, to where I don't remember it anymore. And in this, in this word, this Greek word, what it really means is neglect. I neglect the past. I neglect the past. Here's what that means. Don't dwell on it. Don't dwell on it. Let that story go. Quit telling that story. Quit telling that story. You know, everybody wants to tell their story. Well, this is what happened. This is what they did to me. And this is this and this and this. And you know what? We need to neglect. Let's not keep watering that. Let's not keep feeding that. Because what you feed and what you water, guess what? It grows. Whatever you focus on, it expands. And if all you focus on is, is what's happened and what's wrong and how you screwed up and all this and the mistakes that you made, those things are just going to get bigger and bigger. And Paul said, listen, forget that stuff. Neglect it. Let's neglect the past. Let's not dwell on it. And then the next thing I learned, just from this little portion of Scripture, I need the anointing of Jesus. Yeah, we do. His anointing is his power, his ability. It's his presence. I need his anointing. And Paul's telling me, he's saying, listen, even if you haven't acquired the fullness, the enemy will always tell you why you don't qualify for the things of God. Will he not? I mean, he will always keep telling you, you don't qualify, you don't qualify, you did this, you did this. But Colossians chapter 1 tells me that he qualifies me. And so when he brings up all that stuff, I'm like, hold up. None of that matters. What matters is what Jesus has done for me. And as I step into his will and his way, that's when I'm qualified. I don't have to do anything to get qualified for Jesus except receive him. Amen? He qualifies me. He qualifies me for his abundance, for his anointing, for his grace, for his mercy, for his power, for his forgiveness, for him making me righteous. He qualified me. And so the enemy's always like, oh, you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do that. And we need to just be like, yeah, I can. Yeah, I can. Not because of what I've done and not, listen to me, not in spite of what I've done. I can because of Jesus because of what he's done. And Paul's trying to tell us that. Listen, as you reflect back, celebrate the victories. Celebrate that you're here today. 
Celebrate that you read the Bible this year. Celebrate that, that you're closer to God this year. And if you say, I don't have that to celebrate, you know what? Be kind to yourself. Because beating yourself up isn't going to do you any good. Beating yourself up doesn't do any good. That's not God doing that. Some people think, that, oh, God's, God's putting me through it because I really screwed up. No, God doesn't do that. God's a lifter. God lifts us. He lifts us. He empowers us. He equips us to do his will. Amen? And so as you reflect back, be kind to yourself. Celebrate the victories and get ready for 2020. Amen? The next thing for us to do is we're just, you know, in our in-between week, we're going to reflect. We can't help. But as we reflect, let's remember to forgive. You know, one of the worst things you can do is to take unforgiveness into the next year. Because it's like just carrying weight. It's carrying weight. It's like just, just, uh, it, it's just not a good thing. The Bible tells us this. Over in Luke, he says, even if that person, how many got that person? You're like, I know who you're talking about. <laughs> even if that person, even if that person wrongs you seven times a day, and each time turns again and asks for forgiveness, you must forgive. You must forgive. And so here's why a lot of people don't forgive, and it's so important that you listen. You stay locked up in unforgiveness because you don't know what forgiveness is. You have a misunderstanding. Forgiveness is not minimizing what happened. Just because you forgive someone doesn't mean you're making it a little thing. Forgiveness takes strength. It takes a lot of strength. Forgiveness doesn't say that what happened and what somebody did is okay. That's not what forgiveness does. That's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is not receiving someone back into relationship with no change. It's not that. Forgiveness is not trust. Those are two very different things. I can forgive you, but that does not mean I trust you. I can forgive you for stealing my wallet, but I don't have to trust you and give it to you again. Those are two different things. Forgiveness is given. Trust is earned. And forgiveness is not conditional. Forgiveness isn't saying, I'll forgive you if. No, forgiveness is given. Forgiveness is this. It is just a release. I recognize that a wrong has happened. I recognize that I have been betrayed or I've been lied to or I've been hurt or I've been damaged or something has happened. I recognize that. But I release that. I forgive that person because I don't want what happened to have any more power over me. Forgiveness is for you. It's not for the other person. It's for you. And so it's a release. It's saying, I'm going to let God take care of that. I'm going to give that situation to the Lord. I, I'm just going to, I'm not going to dwell on it. I'm not going to make it my life. I'm going to forgive. And the Bible says we must do that. And here's why. Because forgiveness is like a big, hairy clog in your connection with God. Unforgiveness is. Because you ever seen, you know, we have, we've got a new vacuum cleaner at our house because we kind of go through those. 
because normally we have four dogs, but now this year we're down to two, sad, but, you know, we had two of ours pass away. It was, you know, painful, but that's another story. So anyway, we have, a, so we have uh, two dogs now, but they both shed like crazy, especially Riggsy. I mean, it just sheds. It's like there's tumbleweeds in the house. It's terrible. And so we get a new vacuum cleaner, and it's, you know, highly recommended for dogs with, or houses with multiple dogs. And so I'm vacuuming, vacuuming, and all of a sudden the thing's not working. It's brand new. It's not working. And so Scott takes it all apart, and, and he's pushing the thing down the tube. There's a tube, and he's like, oh, I can't see through it. There's a clog. There's a clog. And so nothing can come in. Nothing can go through it. Because there's a clog, and it's not working right because there's a, stay with me, won't work. And so then, so Scott's fixing it because Scott can fix anything, and he's pushing it down, and all of a sudden, out pops this huge, it looked like another dog. It was huge. This huge ball of fur. But here's the thing. Unforgiveness is like that. Because when we have unforgiveness, it's like this big clog that just stops everything from flowing in our life. It it hinders my prayer. The Bible says when you pray, forgive. Because if I have unforgiveness, it's that big clog. God wants to move. But there's that big clog. Remember, I'm not saying what they did is right. I'm not minimizing what happened. I'm making the decision to give it to God and let him take care of it. And when I do that, it's just like my vacuum cleaner. Out comes the clog and everything begins to flow. And so a lot of times we don't forget. It's like, oh, I can't forgive. I can't forgive that. I can't forgive that. Listen, when we say that, we're saying I'm going to keep letting that person have power over me. Forgiveness doesn't make them right. It doesn't, it, do, it doesn't make what happened right. It doesn't minimize what happened. It doesn't do that. Forgiveness is for me. Forgiveness is for me. Forgiveness says I'm not going to let that have any power in my life again. I'm going I'm to trust God to take care of it. And you know what? He will. He will. And so I encourage you, if you got some stuff as you reflect, and we all do, listen, life is a contact sport. And what happens? We take hits. Some hits are worse than others. And some, you know, again, God knows what you've been through. But he also knows the power of forgiveness. To live past something, you've got to forgive. Because if you don't, you're going to be stuck in it. And you'll just keep reliving it. But when you forgive, you show that you are the bigger person that you are strong in God. And when you forgive, oh, everything begins to flow and God moves in your, he's waiting to move. But unforgiveness is like a big old clog. Amen? And so forgiveness is so powerful. And as we're moving into 2020, another thing that we want to do, we're going to reflect. Let's be kind to ourselves. Let's forgive. And sometimes the person we need to forgive is ourself. And how many of us know sometimes that's the hardest person to forgive? So it's the hardest thing because you're always saying, what was I thinking? What, why did I do that? Oh, you know, I've done this and done this. Listen, the Bible says that we're to love our neighbors as ourselves. Sometimes we're more forgiving to others than we are to ourselves. And you know what? God loves you. 
And you need to forgive you. Give yourself a fresh start. Remind yourself that you are forgiven. Amen? And then the next thing we want to do, don't complain. Don't complain. You ever, anybody ever met a complainer? I've been one. I've not only met one, I've been one. You ever find yourself, you're just complaining about stuff all the time? You're just, you've turned into a complainer. And you know what the thing is, is that there's no blessing on a complainer. None. There's no blessing on a complainer. The Bible tells you, you know, there's actually a, a whole book about complainers over in Numbers. <laughs> a whole book is about, you know, the children of God, they, they, the children of Israel, they exited out of, out, of, uh, out of captivity and God freed them. And we've all seen the movie, Let My People Go, and the Red Sea parted, right? How many have seen the movie? Go home, watch the movie, you know? And so we've all seen that. And yet all that, I mean, God moved in their lives. Nobody, nobody was sick. Nobody was poor. Nobody was feeble. They all left out of slavery, out of captivity. God did all these miraculous things. And what are they doing? They turn into a bunch of complainers. And you know what? We can do the same thing. Sometimes you read that and you're like, man, what's wrong with these people? And God's like, hello? Hello? Because we turn into complainers. And so, you know, if we, when we're looking, what am I going to do in this in-between week? And really, we can say, this can be in-between anything. When you're in-between jobs, when you're waiting for a door to open, when, you're, when, when relationships change and you feel like you're in-between, when you're in one place but you want to be in another place, you're in-between. This, this message is not just for this week, it's for our lives. Don't complain. Because when you complain, you put your focus on yourself and you put your focus on, uh, on the wrong things. And here's the thing. How we act in the in-between determines how quick we get to where we want to go. Because here's the thing about the complainers. They didn't make it. They didn't make it to the promised land. God's got somewhere for you to go. But being a big complainer is going to hinder that. It's going to hinder it. The Bible says, their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. Listen, don't complain about the people God has put over you. Whether it's your pastor, whether it's your boss, whether it's your parent, if you're a child. Remember my mother when I was, you know, in my late 30s, she would be like, children are supposed to obey their parents. Do what I tell you to do. And I would tell her, like, Mom, that's children. Children obey your parents. I don't have to obey you. You know? But she, she didn't get that. But anyway, it's another thing. But the thing is, we, sometimes we can be so complaining. Always remember this. You don't know the whole story. We always think we know the whole story. But there's always three sides to every story. Every story has three sides. There's your side, there's my side, and then there's the truth. And not that either of us are lying, but we have our perspective and we have our limited knowledge. But you know what? God knows the whole story. But no matter what the story is, what's complaining going to do? It's not going to do anything. And so I would encourage you, don't complain. The Bible says the voices rose in a great chorus. Here's why. Because complaining is contagious. It's contagious, and oh, it's dangerous, because this great chorus, none of them made it to the promised land. The Bible says that the earth opened and swallowed some of them up. 
No, that's not going to happen to you. We're in the New Testament. Thank you, Jesus, right? That's not going to happen to you, but it is going to hinder you. It's going to hinder you because complaining and faith are nowhere near each other. Nowhere near. And it says, they said this, if only we had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they complained. They complained about everything. They complained about being in the wilderness. They complained about what they had to eat. They complained. They were like, if we were only back in slavery. Because here's the thing. Complaining will always change your view. Complaining will make you see things through rose-colored glasses that were never rosy. Complaining will make you see things that are not there. Complaining will put your focus where it does not belong. Complaining always leads to rebellion against God. Always. And so I encourage you, get a grip on the complaining. Because complaining will affect where you're going. Complaining will affect if you get there. Complaining will affect the conditions while you're waiting. And you know what? Stuff happens. Life happens. People are jerks, right? Nobody in here, of course. But you know what? I mean, there's, there's just jerky people. And sometimes we're the jerky person, right? Stuff happens. But complaining isn't going to fix it. Complaining isn't going to help it. And here's the thing. When you start getting around a bunch of complainers and they start talking negatively about the things of God, the people of God, the way of God, the will of God, the lack of God, which is never true, oh, you are in dangerous company. You're in dangerous company. And we've got to watch out for that kind of stuff. Because life does happen. And when it does happen, let's trust him. Romans 8.28 says this, so we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designed purpose. Instead of complaining about stuff that's happened, let's trust God that whatever has happened, God's going to turn it for good. Let me be very clear. The Bible teaches us emphatically, God does not cause the bad. He does not do that. God does not bring the bad. It's not God trying to teach you something. It is the enemy trying to steal, kill, and to destroy you. But God can take anything and turn it for good. God knows we're in a fallen world. He knows stuff happens. But yet he can take anything if you give it to him. And he can turn it. And he can weave it into your life where it's used for his purpose. Again, he's not doing it. But he will use it. He will use it. Only good and perfect things come from God. But God knows we're here. Storms will happen. Life will happen. Hurt will happen. Pain will happen. And God says, listen, I'm going to take all that and I'm going to weave it in to where it fits perfectly together. You know, I look back on my life and I see things that happen and I know God didn't do those things. But I see how God has taken what the enemy meant to kill me. God has taken it and he has used it to empower 
me. He has used it where I can sit with people and say, I have been where you are and look what the Lord has done. Amen? And God will do that. Trust God to lift you. Trust God to heal you. Trust God to bless you, to strengthen you. The Bible says that he'll give you beauty for ashes. Man, did something burn bad in 2019? If you'll give God all those ashes, he'll return it for beauty. And that's so good. He can make a crooked path straight, the Bible says. He can bring a river in a dry land. God specializes in turning things around. He specializes in taking the most messed up people, the most what the world would look and say, oh, they're damaged. God takes that person and uses them to do amazing things for his kingdom. Isn't, that's how God is. And so if something happened, Look at it and say, you know what? I know God didn't do it. God wasn't in it. God loves me. God cares for me. He doesn't hurt me. He doesn't cause this. But he's going to take this. And he's going to turn it for my good. Amen? And you know, and sometimes people, we twist that. And people start preaching and start saying like, oh, God does those things. So that this happens. No, God, God doesn't need to use any of the enemy's tools. He doesn't need to use them. He has his own toolbox. And it has all blessing and all goodness and strength and mercy and grace and power. No, the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But God. Amen? But God. And so let's trust him. Let's trust God. And so as we look back over the year, we're going to reflect. Let's be kind to ourselves. Amen? Let's be kind. Let's remember, I can still run towards his abundance, even though I don't have it all together. Amen? And I need his anointing. It's not in my own strength. It's in his. Let's remember that. Let's, let's walk into 2020 with forgiveness. And forgive yourself. That's the hardest one. Forgive yourself. And whenever the enemy brings it back up, you just remind him. No, I'm forgiven. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if I confess my sin, that he is faithful and just to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. And so when the enemy tries to remind you of what you've been forgiven for, you just remind him where that is. Nope, that's in the sea of forgetfulness. That is under the blood of Jesus. God forgives and he forgave me. Amen? Let's walk into 2020 with forgiveness. Let's, let's catch ourselves. Let's not be complainers. Amen? Let's not be complainers. Trust the Lord to take whatever happened and weave it together for good. And then lastly, let's get in the right position. The right position. You know, I'm not a big sports person, but I do know that in football, you got to be in the right position. Right? you got to be in the right position. You can't, you can't have the kicker out when they're not kicking. Right? Isn't that true? You don't have the, the, the people. If you're not, Devon's like, well, oh, maybe, maybe. You know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. You know, it's like, oh, I know what. The quarterback can't play the center. Right? That's not a good idea. Because 
the biggest guys are right there. And so the quarterback's behind all the big guys. Why? Because they're supposed to, supposed to protect him. But you've got to be in the right position. And you know what? We need to position ourselves correctly. Listen, God has good things for 2020. And you know what? 2019 is not over yet. And God gave us a word at the beginning of this year. He said, this is your year of breakthrough. And man, we have seen some awesome breakthroughs. They've come in hard ways a lot of times. Because the Lord said, in order to have breakthrough, something has to break. And I'll tell you, there's been some breaking on some things. There's been some breaking. But we've come through. We've come through. And now let's make sure we're in the right position. And the Bible tells me in Galatians chapter 6, verse number 7, I want you to really look at this verse up here. Out of the Passion Translation, it says this, Make no mistake about it. Make no mistake about it. God will never be mocked. You know what that means? That means that what God says is true. It will never not be true. It will never not be true. And people who say like, oh, that's crazy. That doesn't matter. That's not a big deal. You can say all that, but it's still true. Because God will never be mocked. His word will never not be true. He will always have the last word. Amen? He will always be right. In every argument, he's right. In every argument, he's right. It says, make no mistake about it, God will never be mocked. For what you plant will always be the very thing you harvest. The harvest you reap, look at this, reveals the seed that was planted. The harvest you reap reveals the seed that was planted. If 2019, you didn't harvest what you wanted, you need to look at what you planted. Look at what you planted. If all you got was negativity and complaining and, and, and all kind of crazy, you got to look at what you planted. And if you had no harvest, you got to ask yourself, did I plant anything? If you struggled constantly, what did I plant? What did I plant? A farmer positions himself for harvest by what? By planting. And the Bible says God will not be mocked. There is the law of seed time and harvest. You know why it's a law? Because it never changes. It's the law of God. What you plant, you reap. If I plant corn, what, do I, what am I going to reap? If I plant tomato seeds, it's not complicated, right? Right? If I plant daisy seeds, right? Because whatever seed, if, if I plant lemon seeds and then I'm like, where are my apples? Where are my apples? What are, why are these lemons here? I didn't ask for lemons. Listen, if you got a whole bunch of lemons in your life, you need to look at what you're planting. Because you can't get apples from a lemon seed. Can't do it. No matter how hard people may try. And here's the thing. He says, God, make no mistake about it, God will never be mocked. What he's saying? This is always going to be true. He says, for what you plant will always be the very thing you harvest. The harvest you reap reveals the seed that was planted. If you plant the corrupt seeds of self-life. 
into this natural realm, you can expect to experience a harvest of corruption. If you plant the good seeds of spirit life, you will reap the beautiful fruits that grow from the everlasting life of the spirit. Oh, that's so good. I don't, what does that mean, self-life? It's selfishness, where your focus is all on you. You live your life hands closed. You are not a giver of time, of love, of encouragement, uh, uh, of, you're not a giver. And when you're not a giver, you are, you are self-life, and nothing comes good of that. Nothing. Nothing does. And if you look at your life and you say, man, none of my relationships are working. Nothing's working for me. I'm not getting the promotions I'm looking for. I'm not, my relationships aren't strengthening. I don't feel close to God. All these things, where does that come from? It comes from planting. You got to be a planter. And you got to plant the right things. We can choose right now to position ourselves to be in a place of harvest. But we got to start planting now. Amen? It's never too late to plant. It may be a little late, longer to harvest, but if you wait till tomorrow to plant, you wait for a longer harvest. The best time to plant is today. Amen? You say, oh, but it takes so long to grow. Waiting's going to take it longer. Amen. Waiting will take it longer. We've got to plant. You know, I heard John Maxwell, I was listening to uh, his book, a book I was uh, listening to, and he was talking about, and he said, why wouldn't anyone want a harvest, a good harvest? If we were to ask anybody, hey, would you like a harvest? Would you like a, an abundant harvest? We'd all say, yeah. How many drive by the lotto sign and say, that's what we need right there, $22 million, that, you know, 220 million, how many do that? Anybody else do that? And then you start thinking of all the things you would do with that. But here's the thing. That's probably not going to happen. And if it does, I really hope you're a tither. I really, really hope you're a tither, you know? But it's just, it's probably not going to happen. But you know what can happen? Start planting today for harvest tomorrow. Because God won't be mocked. You can't live a life of harvest if you don't begin to plant and we're not just talking about money, although that is part of it. We're talking about life, planting into people, planting into relationships, planting into the kingdom of God, planting into the church that God has called you to. Not just your money, but your time and your talent. There are some things that are more valuable than money, you being one of them. But the Bible says that God won't be mocked. And so how I position myself today determines my harvest tomorrow. And if you don't like what you're harvesting, if you don't like what you're seeing in your life, if you don't like what you're seeing in relationships, if you don't like what you're seeing on your job, if you don't like what you're seeing in your children, parents, you are the biggest seed droppers there are. Every day you're dropping seeds into your kids. And if you don't like how it's turning out, you need to watch what you're planting. Because no one else has the influence over your children that you do. No one else, not the pastor, not the teacher, not the government, no one else, you do. 
you do. And so if we don't like what we're seeing, let's change what we're planting. Because God won't be mocked. You can try to go around it. You can try to talk your way out of it. You can explain why it's not for today. You can do all kind of mental gymnastics. And God is up there just saying, you'll learn. Seed time is harvest is a law. It's a law naturally. It's a law spiritually. And so we have the opportunity today to position ourselves and start planting good things. Planting into our spouse, planting into our kids, planting into our jobs, planting into ourselves. What did you plant in yourself this year? To grow as a leader, to grow in the things of God. You know, we all want to be spiritual giants, but nobody wants to read the Bible. How's that going to work out? That's not how that works. We need to plant so that we plant the right thing so we harvest what the right thing is. Amen? And so as we're in this in-between week and you're saying, hey, what do I do? Let's do these things. Let's reflect right. Be kind to yourself. Let's forgive. Let's catch ourselves when we start to complain. Amen? Let's catch it. Let's catch ourselves and say, you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to be a complainer. Let's trust God to pull whatever he needs to out of this year and weave it together for our life. And let's be planters. Let's position ourselves for harvest. And the only way to do that is to plant the right things. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus. I pray for...